I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me here today as well. It is Tuesday, February the 9th. Hope you had a great uh, Super Bowl weekend. Hope you um, glad to have you with us here today. We'll be with you today. Be with you again on Friday this week on SEC Football and Beyond. Uh, Chris, how are you? I am doing good. Uh, we've got a football season in, and uh, obviously, it's uh, I like to call it scouting season. It's scouting season all year round, but for me, but uh, I think it's always uh, interesting when you. When you have no games now, and by the way, we will have games. Uh, we'll have Division One AA games uh, starting this weekend in some cases. But, no, it's interesting that we – I'm glad we've got a season in and um, looking forward for – I call it the chase to kick off next year. You know, so much work to be done from, you know, in my standpoint, NFL free agency, the draft, spring practice, and whatever form that we're going to have it, uh, all those things um, – that we talk about and get excited about talking about uh, during the season. Um, now, now we get to that point of how we're dealing with uh, with everything that leads to that process. Uh, we get to look forward to that now, uh, and uh, it's, so it's happy off season, everybody, or happy uh, scouting season, as I like to say. Mentioned the season being in the books. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win Super Bowl 55, 31 to 9 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the, the big headline from it, of course, was Tom Brady getting his seventh Super Bowl championship in, uh, in 10 Super Bowl appearances. But what was obvious to anybody who watched the game was just how dominant the Tampa Bay defense was on, uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs offense that was a little beaten up up front. Patrick Mahomes, who was clearly favoring a, a toe injury, and they just did not, for the first time in a very long time, the Chiefs just did not have the the weapons and the firepower to to score points. Yeah, I think a couple of things that just jumped out at me um, was the fact that you're dealing with um, a, an offensive line that couldn't protect, and so you know when you're getting hit as often Mahomes was. There was just nothing there. And one of the things we talked about, and I know that we went into it in detail on Landry football is, all right, what, what do the Bucks need to do defensively? Doing it's a lot more difficult than, than talking about it, of course, but they did play a lot of cover seven. They played a lot of two deep safeties and they bracketed Tyreek Hill. So you take the number one guy out and the two things that took place and both had to happen. They got really good pressure. So there's not a lot of time to go to your secondary and tertiary reads. And when they did, the linebackers did a really good job covering underneath in addition to getting safety help with the corners on the outside. So it's not that just the coverage was good. It was that you had good coverage that didn't have to be good coverage for very long. Um, and that combination is so important when you can cover guys long enough for the pressure to get there. And when you can do a good job of getting guys handled off the line of scrimmage, that's real key. I mean, so they never got into any offensive rhythm. I thought the chiefs would run the football a little bit more earlier when they were having trouble protecting. Cause if you can't protect 
you know, there's nothing you can do. I mean, there, there's some things you can do personnel wise schematically <clears throat> and, and with player groupings, but if you're not built to have tight ends and extra linemen and you don't have the depth to be able to max protect, that's not what they do anyway. The ball just comes out quicker. Then the real key is you've got to be able to run the football. You know, if they're going to play too deep high, you've got to be able to run the football a little bit more, get them out of that look. Well, once they got behind, then, as we always say, you get behind, you can't be patient with the run. And um, that was, you know, wasn't a game plan issue. It was partly, it always is something. You can always look to see what you can do better as a coach. But it was, the story was the Bucks defense and how well they played. Devin White was outstanding. In addition to playing that, that cover seven, they used Devin White as a looper and a spy so that, Mahomes could never get free. I mean, he was getting free and trying to make plays. There's nothing there. So it was really, it was a great performance. And on the other side, being able to run the football, I thought the difference between the Bucs um, during the season versus now is their running game and their running back play, the running backs in the passing game. And that helps you. That makes your defense better. It, it obviously helps you control the game better. Um, that was, that was really, that combination was great. Um, yeah, there was a mistake to my Kansas city. There was some tight calls, you know, they were, they, they were a little bit tight on some of the calls defensively that prevented Kansas city from getting off the field, but make no mistake that the only difference would have been the margin of error with, you know, a few drops and a few missed calls. It, it only changed the fact that the the margin of victory and we might have had a close game with a Bucks win versus a blowout win. I think all credit to the Bucks. And you know, it, it's it's one thing to come back. It's another thing to come back on Tom Brady because defensively they couldn't get off the field. So it was the Bucks defense, but it's also the Bucks offense that. You know, they couldn't get off the field. You know, if you look at that, uh, the the ability to be able to come back is what the Chiefs do very well. And they just could not do it because uh, the 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 Bucks defense is so good. But then on the other side, the Bucks offense was, was made play and play and play. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> the Bucks were very good up front. Uh, Leonard Fournette was terrific. Um, the other back, um, whose name escapes me right now, he was very good as well. Uh, they they made plays in the receiving core with with Gronkowski and Antonio Brown and other guys. Uh, Tom Brady was was uh, very good. He didn't make mistakes. He dumped it off. They were they took chances when it was time to take chances. They were conservative when it called for being conservative. They had a really good plan, um, and they were it was a dominant performance. And if you go back and look at Tampa Bay all the way back to the first meeting with the Chiefs. Uh, starting the second half of that game, a game that they lost to the Chiefs, but starting in the second half of that game, they kind of figured some things out, and they've been really good since. And uh, they rolled through three road games. I realize one of those games was Washington, but they went to New Orleans and won. They went to Green Bay and won. And sometimes those teams get momentum like that, and they're awfully tough to stop in a Super Bowl, and that proved to be the case. It kind of reminded me of a couple of those New York Giants runs uh, with Eli Manning at quarterback where those teams got hot and went on the road and, and won big playoff games and kept building confidence and momentum. And by the time they got to the Super Bowl, they were a handful. It was seven and five, <clears throat> going nowhere fast, and didn't lost didn't lose one game the rest of the way. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's what I always say. You 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 never stay the same. You either get better or get worse. And so you know, to me, I think this team was very talented. I think Brady picked the team because it was talented. It had weapons offensively and it had defense. You know, it, as I said, you know, it's, it's, Brady deserves all the credit in the world. It's not like he went to the Detroit Lions and took them to the playoffs. It, it, yeah. it, if he'd done that, that, you know, it's, it, we're not discussing this. There was a difference that he, that he went to, there was a reason that he went to Tampa Bay and not Chicago, for example. Yeah, no, yeah, it's exactly right. And, you know, Bruce Arians is a part of it. Um, he had a little bit of a relationship with two guys, mainly Jason Light, but two guys in that front office that were former Patriots that that knew him. And and so, I mean, and, and so when you speak to him about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, and <clears throat> Brady, when it all went down, Brady was always not envious, but kind of admired 
what Peyton Manning was able to do. He was able to pick the Broncos. He was able to do what he wanted to do. And by the way, great job by the coaching staff. I don't know how many people know this, and they didn't mention this on the on the uh, on TV or anything. You know, it mentions this that red zone offense of the Bucks. That's the that's the Patriots red zone offense. Brady put that in. You can I could see all of it. It's all the things that are familiar. It's it's funny, you know, in breaking down tape. Yep, they did that and all that. And then you you bring in Gronk and uh, a couple of those routes there were old Patriots routes that you can almost sense it that hey, because Gronk didn't have, I mean, he didn't do anything. He did very little during the year spot and boom, come playoff time in a pivotal moment, you know, there you go. And and so it was a, a really, you know, a, I think Brady as a leader is just phenomenal. I think how he lifts everybody, he's one of the guys, even though he's Tom Brady, he's one of the guys to his teammates. And you could see it. I mean, man to man, Brady doesn't want to be, you know, the guy. He wants to be the guy that, that all right, look, not look at my rings. He wants to be the guy that gets them together and let's study more and let's do more. And, and they admire that. Wow, look at this guy. This is why he's great. This is what I need to do. And so when you take talent and you get everybody on edge rushers, you get linebackers that are great. I mean, you, I, I think it lifts. It's just such a, it's a just a pleasure as a coach to have the locker room being headed by somebody like that. And it it is about talent, but it's about how you develop and utilize the talent. And I think that you know, for Bruce Arians, he's the type of guy that'll step back and you know, particularly at his age and. Let it ride, and you know he's got a old saying. For people who don't know Bruce, he, he tells everybody, "Cuz, hey, whatever you think, Cuz, you know that's his thing, you know." And so, Todd Bowles did a great job. Leftwich, you, you know, get, and all of those guys kind of suppressed themselves, you know, like Leftwich is, hey, what do you want to do, Tom? This is I'm comfortable with this. Well, they weren't as comfortable week four, week six, week eight, and you sure. saw a lot of that. And, and they were in danger. This is a lesson, though. This is the danger of falling completely out of it. And with all that said, just how great sports is and how it's about all of that, as said, I think is important, but it's about being able to get it done at the crucial moments. Look, if Jared Cook doesn't fumble the football, the Bucs never get out of the game against the Saints, and we're probably watching the Chiefs and the Packers in the Super Bowl. That's how precarious sports are. Sure. But it, it, the whole sports world lives with what ifs and what ifs. Well, what it is is what is, not what ifs, because there are always what ifs, but it's what is. And I don't know anybody that takes the what ifs and turns them in to what it's going to be more than Tom Brady. You know, he's seven and three, and I'm sure he's thinking, oh, man, you know, <clears throat> if only Wes Walker, I mean, he doesn't, wouldn't say this publicly, only Wes Walker doesn't drop the boat. Maybe we won one of those games against the Giants. Or, you know, maybe, you know, because both of those were close, and then they lose to Nick Foles and the Eagles. Um, Nick Foles is gone, and, and, and Doug Peterson's gone, and, Brady's gone to another place. It just goes to show you. And yet, you know, Seattle's probably saying, yeah, boy, we gifted them one when we should have probably. And the The sports world is always what ifs, but it's about getting it done. And, and no one has got it done better in doing what he does. And no, he's not carrying that team physically, but from a leadership standpoint, he's had tremendous impact. And I think the story was the, the defense and the offensive line of the Bucs held up well, too. No pressure on Brady, and we talked about it. The offensive line having to hold up with Brady, who can't really do anything but step up, they made some adjustments, did a really good job. So, hey, kudos to them. Yeah, the pocket pocket was really clean. Mm -hmm. It was was not clean for Patrick Mahomes. A a quick question about the the Chiefs before we Mm -hmm. do some other things. Oklahoma Rebel says, how much longer does the Chiefs uh, how much longer do the Chiefs have under the salary cap limitations before they have to start trading skilled players? Mahomes is the most talented quarterback, but he's not following the the Brady pay cut model. No, but the contract is really long uh, and deep, so it 
it mitigates some of it. The cap's going to be about 180. It's going up and up. <clears throat> well, you know, this is be about 180 this year, and this is yeah. going to be. That's, that's what I was getting ready to say to you, Chris, is that I read earlier too yeah. that the that the cap is going to go down uh, significantly next year. They're, they're going to what they're going to do is prorate it a little bit because of the unusual circumstances. So it look at the salary caps, always an issue. Here's what it'll do is they'll have to make some decisions. I don't know if Sammy Watkins is going to be back. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've got some decisions like everybody to make the chief's window is still wide open. I, I think there are a couple of things that need to be <clears throat> upgraded. I think they need to to be a little bit more physical. They were beaten. Everything we talked about is a byproduct. They just were beaten up at the line of scrimmage. Um, offense, defensive lines, they were outplayed. Now, we know they on the offensive line, they were weakened at three spots. Fisher goes out. Right tackle goes to left tackle. Okay. You know, right guard goes to right tackle, and you've got step uh, – uh, 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 Wisniewski come in at right guard. Well, that you're th- weaker at three spots. Three spots on your offensive line, you're weaker, and it was exposed. Now, injuries are a part of it. And again, when people talk about, well, who's going to repeat and this and that, you got to have some breaks. That was a really bad break for them, and it certainly hurt. Um, but you, I think they've got to be, a, with all, even with all the weapons, take advantage of people that are going to play a lot of too deep high and, you know, play what we call small defensively to match up speed, run the football on them, run the foot. You've got to be able to do that. And I think defensively they're going to have to be better against the run or if they run up against a team that, as you said, kind of peaked and was physically, you know, uh, difficult to handle in the bucks. It was, it was a perfect storm. So um, it, it, to me, it was more a reflection of the Bucks and how they played and not, uh-oh, the Chiefs can't get it done. But look, there is a reason why I and a lot of people in football admire what the Patriots have done over the years. And yeah, you have Brady all those years, but you also have good teams around, a good team around them. And consistency is the key. I know people don't like to hear this, but it's more impressive when a team can be in the hunt and go deep into the playoffs for like five or six years in a row, that's actually more of a sign of greatness than than winning once and maybe getting there another time and then not being there again. Because the consistency in the difficult world of today is is a challenge. The, the, the Chiefs <clears throat> should be fine, but like anything else, you've got to be able to continue to draft well. Well, they got McCall Hardeman. If, if let's say Watkins goes, McCall Hardeman becomes a factor. Maybe they find another guy that factors in too, but another offensive lineman, another components to the defense. Those are all the keys. Let's remind folks that, you know, they came back and won every game in the playoffs last year that the chiefs, you know, a couple of things here or there, and they get knocked out in the first round against Houston. You know I mean? You don't know. And again, it's what you do and what you don't do, but everybody, is always got to look at how to get better, and I think the Chiefs will will have to do that. But I think they're fine. Their window is definitely open. Uh, a lot of talk about Carson Wentz, maybe to the Colts, maybe to the Bears. What do you What do you hear out there now that the season for <clears throat> in the free agency and all that stuff, the build up to the draft is coming? What do you hear about the quarterback position? Some of these I've, other franchises. I've, yeah, I always thought Carson Wentz and the Colts made all the sense of the world. Frank Wright coached them. Carson Wentz was having a MVP type year. I mean, he was playing at that level under Frank Wright. So Frank knows what he can do. Frank's really good with quarterbacks. I thought he did a good job of calming Phillip Rivers down in the early from the early part of the year and, and kind of getting him. <clears throat> and so coaching young guys is something he's proven to do very well. And then even taking a veteran guy and and having him kind of settle was I, I think that would be a really good matchup. I always try to look and see what are good matchups because my thing is I want everybody to do well and I just think that would be a really good fit. Um Chicago certainly 
absolutely, you know, having to look at all options at quarterback and it would make sense that they would be in it. Um, in the end, you know, we're going to see who can put the most up. I think the bears are more likely to give up more, but we'll see. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. I, I think the better fit for him because of Frank would be the Colts. And I think the Colts are, that's a team that could be, you know, really good and, and certainly take a, a pie. I think Carson Wentz is good. I think, I think Sam Donald's good. I think a lot of these guys are not developed as well. You know, I laugh because everybody wants the new guy, Neil. No, go, go draft this guy. You know, you're looking at the guys in the draft. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, they a lot of them have ability. None of them have as you know more ability than Sam Donner or Carson Wentz. It's how you raise and develop guys, both in college and the NFL. It's about talent, but it's about developing talent, and it's about the guy's mental toughness and your ability to coach them and put a team around them. All of that has tremendous impact. I see more guys wasted because they're not on a really good team and they're not developed very well. And, you know, um, there's, there's a reason for it. And sometimes careers get ruined because of it. And then I think the opposite's the case too. So I think both those guys have, I, I know we're talking about Wentz, but I think Wentz and Donald with, with the staying with the jets or moving on. I think all those things are going to be interesting. That's another possibility. I know the Niners, you mentioned quarterbacks, the Niners, I know Kyle Shanahan loves Sam Donald, um, but I think the Jets have to decide. Uh, oh, it, it, the way you deal with it, you have to evaluate Sam Donald and what he's done, and you have to evaluate his skill set and and his capabilities of learning and growing and what you want to do, and compare it to the guys in this draft, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, and compare it to say Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, that's how you make those decisions. And so if you feel like Sam Donald's not much better than Jimmy Garoppolo, if that's what you feel, then you can make a move and you have that part of the deal. You feel he's your guy, you you keep him and and you develop around him. Uh, the trading the guy, get rid of, rid of him is not always the answer. Got a question here from Cross Caldwell. He says, since we're on quarterbacks, how long do you all think the Giants give Daniel Jones? I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, uh, you, first of all, you got to replace talent with talent. Okay. You got to get a better quarterback than Daniel Jones before you move on from Daniel. Daniel Jones will have his entire contract unless there's a better option there. I think Daniel Jones is another example of you've got to build the team around him. If you watch him this year, I thought he did a lot of good things. Um, You've got to do a better job around them, and I think they've been – I thought they did some good things. I thought they were well coached this past year. Uh, a lot of, you know, criticism about what, you know, Joe Judge and what he's good – I thought he did a really good job. But the talent level is, is a perfect example. That that team's not good enough yet to really say Daniel Jones is not the guy. Is he an elite talent? No. But he's a guy you can absolutely win with. Um, but the answer is – uh, as much time as you need to develop around them or till you can find somebody that's better. And trust me, they don't have that option to them right now that we're aware of. And we'll, we'll see if that option comes upon. It could be um, the answer to your question could be another week. If, if they, if they get another option, that's better than, then that's how quick it could change in this league. But it's, it's a lot different than college. Trust me. You gotta, you, you can't do just what you want to do. And, get anybody that you want. <clears throat> it's the Mitch Trubisky thing. It's the reason he's still yeah. snaps in Chicago is because they sure. come up with a better alternative. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's simple as that. It's, I mean, when you, when you make a mistake in the draft and, and the Bears certainly did, when you make that mistake in the draft, you, you, until you're able to um, erase it, if you will, you have to live with it. And so, I'm not. I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is going to be as big of a bust as Mitch Trubisky has been, because I don't think he is. I think Jones is better than Trubisky. But until they have a, you're exactly right, Chris. Until they have a better option that's readily available and 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 can be accessed, Daniel Jones is their quarterback. And here's the thing, Mitch Trubisky reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill. 
Neither one of those guys played Mitch quarterback. Yeah. So, and here's the issue. Well, it's the, the reason that you just mentioned is the reason why the Bears took Trubisky. Because the need for a quarterback is so great that the chance that the guy could be really good is you got to take it, you take him hot. Well, the issue is that there were other options and they didn't evaluate him as well. You took Trubisky and Trubisky just doesn't have enough snaps at quarterback to develop yet. Yet, nobody really, you know, understands that. They just say, he's not good enough. Well, no, he's not good enough now. You're right. He's not, and he may not be, and he may not be the guy for them. He may never be the guy, or he could end up being like Tannehill was and going on to have a productive career for the Titans. Not great, but very productive player. Uh, and all of that just comes into to the development part of it. And that's why I, um, I always say that is, that is, it is the, the best analogy ever. It's, it's ingredients in cooking the meal that it's, it is about talent as a personnel guy. It's, it's, it's about talent, but it's about being able to develop that talent. You know, um, well, and to, we, point, we about, <clears throat> to your point, Tannehill is not the reason that the Titans have been unable to advance the, the, the reason the last couple of seasons, the Titans have, have had a difficulty advancing is that defensively they've slipped a little bit. I mean, that, you know, I, the, listen, two years ago, obviously, when they lost to the Chiefs, they just ran into a buzzsaw. But this past season, when, when they lost in the playoffs, I didn't think it was a, a reflection on Ryan Tannehill necessarily. He's certainly not an elite quarterback who's going to throw a team on his back and go, here, well, let's go to the promised land. No, they'll build around Derrick Henry in the run game. Yeah, but I felt they <clears throat> lost this season, the Titans did, because they frankly just weren't good enough defensively to, to get stops when you had to have them. Well, and, you know, <clears throat> we talk about talent and development of talent. And, and so let's talk for a second about Tom Brady, because I've been asked this a lot. <clears throat> How could everybody miss on Tom Brady? And I did a, um, tell you how sick I am. I, I, it was about three years ago. I took a little time in the summer and what did I do? Get away. I, I, I did a project new. You know, I went and I looked at, I went pull out the scouting report I did on Tom Brady with the Titans at the time. And I looked at all the exposures. Obviously, I couldn't go back to practice again at Michigan because he's long gone. But I looked at all my practice notes, and I looked at the film grade notes. And I went and graded him. I gave him a 5'9 grade, which was equivalent of a third-round value on our draft board. We had Steve McNair, and we weren't going to draft the quarterback. I went back and studied him and looked at the same tape the exact same tape I did. And you know what I concluded? What's that? I had too high a grade on him coming out of Michigan. I literally, on intangibles, I put him, probably should have given him a 5-5 five, five grade, not 5-9 in the in the next year. Okay. Well, what are you doing? Well, yeah, you can't go back. You can't say, well, now what I know, the, the point of it is coming out of Michigan, um, Arm was not good at all. I mean, I at practice can remember, you know, him throwing screen balls and the ball would loop. I mean, just not much of an arm. He wasn't an alpha dog leader. Um, I mean, he was a good kid, you know, but he didn't like do the extra thing. He didn't do, you know, he didn't, he wasn't an, just that alpha dog guy. He drew Henson, drew Henson had more talent. Everybody there, every Body there thought Drew Henson was better, more talented, and and as a leader, you know probably the one thing with Drew because he had baseball and all that. But I mean, he was just it was. And Tom Brady, you know, always takes that as an affront to what makes him great. And I say good, but that mean we're wrong. You know, it's it's the thing about scouting is to know what a guy can be and what he's going to be, regardless how talented you are or maybe limited you are. It's about what you do when the draft or recruiting, when you sign them, that's not the end point. Yeah, we got the number one class. No, you, you, you got, you got a, you've, you've got your guys in. Now it's a starting point. Now you start. It's not all you in. It, now it's a starting point. And what he did is he used that as motivation. What was great. He transformed his body. 
He didn't have to play right away. He went to a good organization. I often wonder if, and I, I don't mean to pick, you know, I really don't. I don't know why it's in my mind, but if he had gone to Detroit or somewhere where they change coordinators every couple of years, new systems, do we even know, is Tom Brady just anything, but maybe he's a GQ model or something. Maybe he still marries a supermodel, but you know, I don't know that he's, he's you know, is ever much of a quality starter. It's a great point. So much of in anything, not just in football, but in life. So much yep. timing. I mean, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, do I wish, you know, I would have taken, well, I, you know, in, in no disrespect, if we had taken him, he, he wouldn't have got the same coaching. He wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have got the, the same opportunity. The opportunity became there and it's a, it, it is a great lesson in life. It's what you do with the opportunity. But the point is, he used that as motivation. And so there was nothing he did at Michigan that stood out. Now, when he played at Michigan, he did a fine job. Yeah, You could argue that he could have maybe got more snaps. But, but for him, like any player, he just it, – it, the light came on, the, 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 the passion to – I'm going to show everybody whatever his motivation went on a little bit later. Yeah. Had it, had it happened sooner, like, you know, give you an example, Peyton. Well, Peyton was one of those guys. He's grew up around it. He was like, you know, before he officially enrolled, because back then you couldn't enroll early when he went in the summer, you know, Archie and Olivia paid for him to go to summer school before his freshman year. He's out there working with his guys and running drills. He had that alpha dog. Let's go. We're going to, he was that, you know, but a lot of it came with, you know, the status and all that, but he had that. Tom was a little bit more, you know, kind of blending. It took him a while to get out of his shell and boom, you know, my point is, yeah, I don't know that I'd go back and honestly tell you, yeah, based on what he did at Michigan and all the intangibles, based on that, no, I would not give him any higher grade than I did. Obviously, it's what I it, scouting is not about definites and absolutes. It's about it's about you know uh, what are the chances and which gives you the greatest probability for you think a guy to be successful. And it's about physical characteristics. It's about mental. It's about emotional. It's about leadership. It's about capacity and willingness to learn. People always ask me all the time, so how do you do it? Well, that's what you have to study. That's what you have to develop. And look, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. There, and there are things that happen to these guys. You know what happens with them? Life happens. Yeah, sure. Life happens. It, it's They're motivated differently. I, I can tell you, I won't mention the guy's name. There's a guy. And, and when I mention it, you you understand why I don't want to mention his name. It's not appropriate. Guy that was one hell of a player. Came from a small school. Outstanding receiver. Off to a good career. Fell in love, married one of the more beautiful girls I've ever, I mean, just gorgeous. He comes home from a road trip you know, a, a, a road game and apparently it was a little bit earlier than she thought. And he catches his wife in bed with another man. And when I tell you that guy never played a good game after that, I mean, his career was, he was emotionally distraught, loved the girl and it completely destroyed him. He never, now you might say, not mentally tough enough. Well, okay. I mean, you could, you know, you can't, you can't compartmentalize valid points. That's what you don't know. How is somebody going to deal with a loss of a loved one? Um, deal with family issues that maybe bring them back sick family members or, you know, a lot of these guys are not married. They fall in love. And quite frankly, they have a lot of women that are great influences on their life that settle them down and get them focused. Some of them, they're the worst thing, you know, sure ever happened to them. And then, then they don't focus. They don't, they don't work as hard. They, they all of a sudden 
They've arrived because they're making big money. And that's the other thing. Money makes you more of what you are, right? So all of a sudden, you've got big money that facilitates all the trappings, but you don't focus on what's really allowing you to make that money. And that is all the 4 a.m. study sessions and workouts and things like that. There's a lot of things that you never know about how a player is going to make it or not make it and whether a guy's a good guy, whether he's going to fall into trouble. I mean, all those things are really important. Um, I say this all the time, Chris, and I, I say a lot of stupid things, but the one of the things that I say frequently that, that rings true is these, and you know this because you, you coached, these are not little football machines. These are not robots. These are these are human beings, and and human beings respond to different uh, motivations, and they respond to different uh, different things different ways. And you're exactly right about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's fire didn't come on until after the draft. I mean, I give you an example. You mentioned Peyton, Eli Manning did not kind of. He had a different fire. He was like, you know, it was internal. Yeah, his his deal was different. So you have to manage different players different ways. And and yeah, you're exactly right. Different people respond I, in, in different ways. And that, can I get another quick story? I know we can get to some yeah, other things. Sure. So um back when um Lawrence Phillips came out of Nebraska, a lot of us did a lot of work on him and my general manager and head coach wanted him. Um and, you know, Lawrence didn't play a lot of football. Remember, he came out early, and then he was suspended for most of the – and they were – Nebraska was beating people by 60 points. So when he did play, he'd play a half. You know, I mean, it was – but obviously there were a lot of red flags in Lincoln and his problem. So I said, we, you know, we got to really be careful. So we, we're at the Combine, and so I interviewed him, and I asked him, I, I asked him about, you know, his family. We were going to a long conversation. But the, here's the thing that struck me. I asked him um, about his family. Tell me about your mother. Never met my mother. Tell me about your father. Never met my father. Who, who's, who in your life are you closest to? My brother. Okay. Tell me, tell me about your brother. How, how often do you see him? He says, well, I haven't seen him in seven years. Why is that? He says, well, he's in the LA state penitentiary. Okay. So I'm starting to think this, this guy's, you know, he's, 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 you wonder why he's quite frankly bleeped up. Now, not everybody who comes from that type of environment goes down a bad path. There you, you can, but usually my experience is somebody comes into somebody like that's life and it helps get them on a, a right path, or at least steers them from going completely off the rails. He, he didn't. And I said, I said, guys, we got, we got a real problem here. And this was before, you know, Bud Adams wouldn't really spend for a lot of psychological testing, but we spent $750 for psychological testing. Let me tell you what the, I still remember what she said, the psychologist, after she invested, he, she spent four or five hours with him. We were back in Houston at the time with the Oilers. <clears throat> and she came back and she said, he is a follower not a leader. He is going to, when you got structure during a season, he'll, he'll show up at meetings, do what he's supposed to do. But when you are, he's not around you. When there's no structure, he's going to always go back to the gang life. And I'd be damned if that wouldn't. Boy, she nailed it. Exactly. And, and that's exactly it. And I had wanted to, to draft Eddie George all along, and that that kind of sealed it because we couldn't. Well, as you know, the tragic story of Lawrence Phillips, Dick Vermeil fell in love with him. I'm going to change him. And Dick was and is just one of the great people I've ever met in football. He is, he actually, people say, oh, these pro coaches. You talk about a guy that loves his players, that will do anything for his players, that still does things for his ex-players, that Dick did a lot. 
and, and he and he couldn't save him because because when he was around him, Lawrence felt that love. But but Lawrence didn't know what love was. No one loved him. No one could, so he didn't. He did. It didn't. You couldn't get into his heart. And then he ended up going back to the LA gang life in the off season, and that's what he was. And tragically, got more and more trouble. Had several opportunities. Went to jail. Killed somebody in jail, and then killed himself. And and yet, there is a player that I took at Syracuse year that that had some problems off the field, and and had nothing like Lawrence Phillips, but had some real problems, a little bit of gang life. But the one thing I thought was different, he had a foster family that kind of led him in the right direction. And this guy's brother was really a bad dude that had a lot of problems. But this guy never got into a lot of trouble. And that told me he was around trouble and he never stepped over the line. So I felt like I could trust him. Played and the pro bowler for years and years. That was Keith Bullock. Oh, wow. Um, so, I, you know, I, it, I don't know why I, I, it just touched me to go off on this. There's a lot of things when you're talking about players, recruits that come in, and it's even more so with recruiting because now they're even younger. And so there's they go to college for the first time, and they don't know how they react to moments, how they're teachable. That's why it's so difficult to determine how good they will be right. because the physical part's pretty easy to determine. Before we switch to a couple of college topics, uh, Chris, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, former Kansas City yeah. coach, uh, former coach with the uh, yeah. Chiefs, Chiefs, Browns, Chargers, uh, Washington football team, had been suffering with Alzheimer's for a while, uh, yep. dead yep. today at the uh, the age of 77. I know I work, obviously work with, with Marty, and uh, I work with his brother, Kurt, uh, Brian, his son. Um, yeah, I, I talked to Pat, his wife, oh, about four or five days ago when hospice start, came in and, uh, Marty's been struggling for some time. It's, um, it's been tough. I had two people close to me pass away on Super Bowl Sunday and, uh, I knew, I knew Marty was, was not far behind based upon the hot, when, you know, they bring in hospice, we all of us have had loved ones that we kind of know what was gone. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's a it's a tough deal. Uh, my dad had Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, so it it it, it um, I lost him in two thousand four. So those things are very very difficult to deal with. Marty Marty was was a much better coach than people know, and was another one of those guys that got, well, he couldn't win at all. He's he was really really good football coach. Re- really really liked Marty. It's really hard to win it all. That's the one thing people don't really understand is it takes, there's some luck involved. There's some timing involved. If, if the, if the judge of greatness is nothing more than winning it all, boy. Uh, all right. We're going to switch to some college topics here in a second. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by blue sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh. They always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to the stores to provide an even better customer experience. Blue Sky wants to show their customers they care about them in the shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties. They're located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi, right there in the Jackson area. They are your trailer-specific professionals. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated load trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concessions built just for you. So for podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100 a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, 
hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. Please tell them that you heard about Alpha on the MPW Digital Network of Podcasts, including SEC Football and beyond. By the way, you asked me, and we talked about it Friday. You asked me, um, and I, I hadn't checked into it. It was me just had done it by Central Florida. Yeah. Well, the holdup there, remember, I was under the assumption that they were going to promote from within on the athletic director. It looks like the Arkansas State athletic director there is going to end up going over there. So that's the holdup on the coaching stuff. If he's, they're going to hire a new athletic director from outside, then they haven't really been as active. They may have been vetting coaches, but obviously that's going to be the guy. So that's the delay there. I just wasn't aware of it because I hadn't even hadn't had time to check into it. So let's see how that plays out. But it's still kind of what we talked about. But let's see what that guy decides he wants to do if he ends up getting the job. That was a little different. I, I don't know why I assumed, I guess somebody had told me that I think they're just going to promote from within Danny's assistant, but apparently not. Apparently they're going uh, outside. Yeah. AD. Going outside on the AD. And, and I'm told from people who are familiar with it, that the, the people who are involved as candidates for that job have been told that they should know something by at the very latest early next week and probably before that. Yeah, yeah, would be better before that. <laughs> At this point, it would be. I mean, you're starting to get into let's yeah. give these guys a chance to get ready for spring practice. For goodness' sake, exactly. No, I know it's, uh, but yeah, that's the holdup there. And um, anyway, so well, you know, if you're a, if you're at a another school right now, you know, Jeff Levy comes to mind. You're, you know, he's he's certainly a candidate. If you're at another school, each day that goes by, as you mentioned last week, and you're exactly right, each day that goes by makes it a little more awkward to leave where you are. And now you're getting closer and closer to spring ball. You kind of start feeling like, mm. and then you have to start thinking, okay, well, if I take this job, and don't get me wrong, I think Jeff Lebby would absolutely take it based on what I'm hearing. But each day that passes makes it tougher for you to get things. You got to assemble a staff. You've got to get in. You've got to get a strength and conditioning program going that's your strength and conditioning program. You've got to get ready for your spring practice, in this case, at UCF. You've Every day that passes that you don't get started on that, frankly, the immediacy part of the job gets less and less attractive. Yeah, and if you're Lane Kiffin, you got to be prepared for what you're going to do if Jeff leaves. Yeah. And it's maybe tough for I mean you're you you've already got to you always got to be prepared for that, of course. But if you know, you've got to almost treat that as if it's imminent and and you, you gotta have your plan ready to go. And it's it gets a little bit more uncomfortable for Jeff to leave now as opposed to two weeks ago. Absolutely. And, but it happened. Look, I mean, look to look at Kentucky. The um they hired Jamal Singleton um to coach running backs. He was with the Bengals last year. So they hired him three weeks ago. He left last night or this weekend, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, Monday. He's going to Philadelphia, the new staff. So it's like, you know, now that's the coordinator, but so there's still stuff going on. And there's, I call it the cross-pollination of both. There's still some assistant movement that's going to affect college uh, by way of the NFL. And uh, so UCF. Again, when they get their situation squared away, it's going to bring some people and it's going to going to cause some other issues, whether it's Jeff Levy or someone else that somebody's going to have to um, going to have to, you know, figure things out there, which is better for him because it's that side of the ball. It's 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 not as um, I, it, it's not as traumatic as, as losing DJ Durkin, even though Jeff Levy's a great coach. It's, you know, the head coach is, you know, very, very involved in the offense and could deal with that and have somebody that he can put in that position, losing the defense coordinator at this stage would be tough. Then he'd have to, he'd have to go out and he'd have to really, he'd have to poach somebody else and even pay more money. It's a yep. different situation. By the way, speaking of their defense coordinator, uh, 
I want to mention a little bit. Great get for them, Chance Campbell. Good linebacker from Maryland. DJ, of course, had a background with him. Uh, got a, recruited him originally at Maryland. Yep. Yeah, he's a Maryland kid. Chance is really a six, you know, three, two thirty four, two thirty five in that range. Can really move. Good instincts. Kind of a plug guy that can help them early. Certainly helped Delp. Then I would be disappointed if he didn't start. I mean, he's got enough ability to do that. I would think um, starting Chris. And then you got you talking about you talking about a defense that needs some key guys and. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see there. Um, but I like, I like good, good gift for them. Hey, I don't know. Have you heard anything? I, I talked to them and, and a few folks, there's a tight end out of Jackson state, Jacksonville state that I like a lot. It's, it's, where, it, who's the latest is, is, um, Trey Bear. They, yeah. Trey Bear, but is, is Ole Miss or is, is they're yeah. So how are they on them versus some other options? I don't know where that is. Big, big kid, big six, yeah. six, two forty kid. Yeah. So I was told back in, I don't know, gosh, it might have been as early as October that uh, Trey Barry was going to be a grad transfer to Ole Miss. The the person that told me was like, "Hey, you you can't use his name." And I made the mistake of saying, "Hey, they they," because the the discussion was about Kenny Yaboa and whether Kenny was going to go pro, and I knew that Kenny was definitely going to go pro, and um. You knew that early on because Kenny was was had made that clear, and um, I said, "Hey, they've they've got a replacement lined up." That was a mistake on my part because it led to this deal in Ole Miss circles and on my message board and stuff about the quote mystery tight end. And it wasn't it was it wasn't that he was a mystery. It was that I I didn't have his name on the record. Does that make sense? I, and and so journalistically, I didn't feel right saying his name or anything specifically about him. And I should have just not said anything at all, but I, I made the mistake of saying something, and then that sort of got that ball rolling. Um, I've since gotten his name on the record. It's it's Trey Berry, Jacksonville State. Um, it's my understanding that as of now, his intention is to transfer to Ole Miss after he graduates from Jacksonville State this spring. I've heard different things about when he graduates. Someone said he might graduate as early as late March. Um, I don't know whether he's going to play for them this season, whether their season's going to have multiple games, just a few games. I don't know what he's going to do. But it's my understanding as of uh, what's today, as of Saturday, that his intention is still to to transfer to Ole Miss as one of the Ole Miss kept three grad transfer slots, if you will, available, Chris. Obviously, one's going mm-hmm. one's going to Chance Campbell. Uh, one, in my opinion, and this could change, obviously, is is going to Trey Barry, and the other, I think, um, as Lane said on on signing day, Lane Kiffin, that they would like to sign a defensive player. Uh, I would think, based on my knowledge of the Ole Miss roster that, and and the people that are coming in, that they would like to sign a defensive lineman. Now, so would everybody else, you know, who is who's out looking for. Um, looking for for defensive linemen those those guys are hard to get and the competition for them will be intense but uh that's I, th- I think in an ideal world for Lane Kiffin and that staff DJ Durkin I think he you know they added Otis Reese basically late last season in the secondary he was impactful um we just heard what you said about Chance Campbell and I, I think they're bringing him in with the in- with the 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 belief that he will be an impactful player for them uh, in that second level, and then I think they'd love to add an impactful guy off the edge. They've added some JUCO defensive linemen. They uh, got Taiwan Malone last week. Uh, his situation is interesting because he's still having to recover from an ACL injury. I mean, he's, he has plenty of time between now and September, but you know how how college ready he is. September the third or fourth, whenever Ole Miss opens the season, remains to be seen. But I think they'd love to add a guy that gave them a presence off the edge. You know, you and I have talked about this a lot. And you certainly know football a gazillion times better than I do. But you watch, you know, Georgia and Alabama and Texas A&M and these teams that were dominant in the SEC. And one of the things that they all have in common is they have they have edge guys, whether it's defensive ends or outside linebackers or whatever, however you want to call them. They have edge guys that really disrupt the passing game, that disrupt uh, the wide part of the running game that are just disruptful players. Ole Miss just did not have those guys this year. They didn't have edge guys. 
And it's one of the reasons when people, and you talked about this several times, when people would talk about, man, what is DJ Durkin doing? I mean, why is this? If you don't have edge players in this league going against the athletes that you face every single week at receiver, at running back, at tight end, if you don't have edge guys, man, it's hard. It's hard to put a scheme together that 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 makes sense and looks good and is effective. Tell you who else has done a pretty good job in the uh, transfer portal circuit. You know, always kid Kentucky is the uh, that the most northern of the SEC schools, and they kind of recruit along the Big Ten corridor. But they've added Trevon Morgan, a big receiver from Michigan State. He's the six five and a half. 215 type guy to remind everybody Wendell Robinson from Nebraska's over there. So got the, got the small, quick, explosive guy. You've got Devon Morgan, Luke Fulton, also from Michigan state. And then Will Levis, who I think can compete, be a backup quarterback. So they've, they're uh, a lot of the guys that they've recruited in their big 10 circles that they've, uh, they've brought over to fill in spots. So it's, it's good since they don't play basketball anymore, in Kentucky, that they've done a good job, uh, getting some things done and uh, recruiting. <laughs> it's one bad season. No, I know. I'm just having fun. I, I don't know. I I'm just kidding. I, I know it's a bad year and I know they're frustrated and I know they want to spend. I know they want to, I know they want to, I know they want to spend $52 million to buy out John Calipari's lifetime contract. I I'm, I'm joking with that. Cause like, yeah, what, what are you going to do there? I mean, it isn't like Calipari going to do whatever the hell he wants for as long as he wants. By the way, Carl Scott's leaving Alabama, as we oh. thought, going to going to to um, Minnesota. I have in the notebooks. I have it. You know, I've been talking about the yeah, a few more tweaks to the Alabama staff, and part of it was guys leaving, and, and it's Carl. So um, yeah, we'll have we'll have a lot of that uh, a lot of that stuff and. If you're an NFL fan, we've got a ton of stuff uh, getting re- getting you ready for free agency and everything in the draft process, obviously, over at Landry Football. So, us a couple of questions here. Uh, may take this one on sort of week by week. What's your, what's your guess right now for the fall 2021 college football fan capacity? 25, 50, 100%? Mine is 50%. I don't know. I honestly don't know because – I don't know what August is going to be. I, I, I really would be just, yeah, you, know, you know, pick one. I, I have no clue on that. Uh, I was thinking, what I was thinking about Sunday was what next year's Super Bowl going to be in Los Angeles in weather, because, you know, California and that's it. I mean, how much better are we going to be? Look, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, and I'm just guessing on what I'm told that look, things are going to get better. I just don't know how much better we're going to be by July, August, September, October. So I don't know. I'm hope. I think this. I think we'll have some fans, and uh, let's put it in the middle, like Neil said. Let, let's hope maybe fifty percent, may, maybe a little more than that. I, I have no clue, though. I've talked to several people at different schools and they're building budgets around 50%. And they're certainly hoping that it's higher than that. But I don't know that anybody's confident enough to go in and go, oh yeah, man, we're going to fill this thing up. I, I just don't think that's the case. Tony uh, Yayo, Tony, I apologize if I mispronounced your last name. Uh, he says, how many podcasts are in the Landry Football Network and is there an NFL specific one? Yeah, you can catch the Scouts Eye on, we've got, a, we got quite a few of them. Uh, just go to uh, LandryFootball.com, and you can follow on Twitch. You can follow all the shows that we've got. This one and all the ones coming up. A lot of college football, a lot of NFL. I would, I do uh, scouts eye on football, and I do, I combine college and pro. Quite frankly, but talk probably a little bit more NFL there. I, I will say this on that show um, during this time of year. It's it it's going to be more NFL because there's more news. We'll talk about transfer news, but the big news is really more draft and NFL free agency from this point on, on, on that podcast. So scouts eye on football and the Landry football podcast be largely NFL. So you can check those out at LandryFootball.com. Speaking of uh, both COVID and uh, basketball, you mentioned Kentucky, uh, the Georgia Texas A&M basketball game, scheduled for uh, tomorrow as well as the Florida at Tennessee basketball game scheduled for tomorrow. Both of those have been postponed 
due to a combination of positive tests, contact tracing, and subsequent quarantine of individuals within the Texas A&M and Florida basketball programs. Uh, the makeup dates for those two games have not been determined at this time. With that cancellation, Georgia at Tennessee, which was scheduled for Wednesday, March the 3rd, will now be played on this Wednesday, uh, March, February the 10th, on ESPN2. So the schedule for this week, as I see how fast my internet's going to going to work with me here. The schedule for this week, SEC men's basketball has been changed a little bit. Schedule for tomorrow, uh, a uh, 5.30 Central game. Alabama is at South Carolina. Alabama 11th in the country. Coming off a couple of losses, but uh, still in great shape in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament. You mentioned Kentucky. They're at home against an Arkansas team that kind of trying to play their way into uh, wrapping up an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, then Auburn is at Vanderbilt. That game uh, is a 7.30 start on the SEC Network. And then on February the 10th, which is Wednesday, uh, Georgia at Tennessee, as we just mentioned. Missouri is at Ole Miss. That game is 8 o'clock start Central Time, 9 Eastern. You can see it on the SEC Network. And a, uh, a, a real big game for Ole Miss there. And then a real big game for Mississippi State a couple hours down the road. LSU is at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs kind of starting to get hot here lately, but much like Ole Miss, they have absolutely no margin for error uh, if they want to get into the tournament picture. Uh, that game, also an 8 o'clock start. It, you can see it on ESPNU, the standings in the SEC basketball right now. Alabama lost for the first time in the league uh, to Missouri. The other day, Alabama's 10-1. and one. Uh, Missouri is 6-3 and three in great shape. As they head down the stretch, Tennessee six and four, uh, Arkansas, Florida, LSU also all six and four. So those those four teams have to feel pretty good about where they are from an NCAA tournament standpoint. Georgia, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State all at five and six. Um, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, as I mentioned, both have the metric that could get them to the NCAA tournament. But Chris, they got to be perfect pretty much the rest of the way. Uh, Kentucky's four and six in the league. 5-12 and 12 overall. It's a disaster in Lexington. South Carolina has just been ravaged by COVID stuff all year. They're 3-5 and five in the league, just 5-7 and seven overall. Auburn, after its loss to Ole Miss, dropped to 10-10 and 10 overall, 4-7 and seven in the SEC. Texas A&M is 8-7 and seven overall, 2-6 and six in the league. And then Vanderbilt, it's been a disastrous season for Jerry Stackhouse and his team. Between losing and COVID and everything else, the uh, Commodores 5-9 and nine overall. One and seven in the SEC. So if we have an SEC tournament, maybe it's the one year that Kentucky doesn't win the SEC basketball. Watch them going to run and win the tournament. <laughs> win that thing every year. Chris, they win it every year. Chris, if that happens, the uh, the black helicopter people are going to lose their minds because they they uh -huh. they do not look like the kind of team. No, they know they know games in four days. But you, but you but you wonder though. If like Alabama trips up, you know, would you rule it out? I mean, you know, I mean, I still wouldn't think, but it's not like let's just call it what it is. Uh, and I look, I, I, I don't, I don't watch enough college I really don't. But Kentucky's not good. It, it hurts this league big time. I mean, it really does. And I don't know how good this league is. I let people who study it, you know, you do, and a lot of other people do a lot more. But I don't know other than Alabama. Does anybody have the goods to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Really? I mean, I know we can talk about, well, Tennessee has the potential, but I don't know. I mean, anybody going to gonna jump on the table and say Tennessee's going to make a deep run? I mean, the only couple of teams that come to mind that could if they got the right draw, and that's the key, they'd have to get the right draw. If Missouri got the right draw, they – they're pretty balanced. They're a fun team to watch. I, I yeah. did catch a little bit of them there. It's interesting. They could make a they could make a second weekend run. Um, if Tennessee got the right draw, as good as they are defensively, they could they could make a second weekend run. I don't know that Florida's that team. Um, LSU's so wildly inconsistent. They're athletic, but Arkansas, if they got the exact right draw, maybe could could win a couple of games. And then you know, after that, you're talking about the Ole Misses and the Mississippi States that I, I just don't know how you can how you can talk about them today as NCAA tournament teams. Now, if Ole Miss beats Missouri, 
on Wednesday. If Mississippi State beats LSU on Wednesday and then they keep winning three or four more in a row, then we probably can have a start having a little different conversation. But right now, that's that's super premature. So no, you're, to your point, and frankly, Chris, outside of Alabama, there's not been a single team in the league that has shown the ability to go win three, four games in a row consistently. And someone's got to do that, I, I guess, if they have the tournament. And I'm still a little skeptical, though I'm less skeptical today than I was a couple weeks ago. Someone's going to have to win at minimum three games in three days and maybe four games in four days in Nashville. And the only team that has shown the ability to do that, the only one, is is uh, is Alabama. Nobody else has done that. Everybody else is – like I cover a team that – Ole Miss just did this deal. They literally did a four-week deal where they lost two in a row, won two in a row, got hot, lost two in a row, got written off for dead by people like me. I said, they're done. And then they beat Tennessee and Auburn in back-to-back games. And now people are getting super geeked up about them again. And I'm like, well, ironically, they're playing Missouri because I'm kind of like, right now, you're going to have to show me. If if Ole Miss beats Missouri tomorrow night, I change my tune a little bit. Until then, I'm skeptical. Gonna be interesting. Final four with maybe no blue bloods and and look forward to your Gonzaga Baylor final. That would be really interesting. Who knows? Hey, I know we gotta go. Great yeah. to be with you, folks. To join us again on Friday. We'll talk. I I've been teasing it. Really need to get into the Kentucky situation and and kind of the whole one and done and sure. Kentucky. How Kentucky? I've been teasing that for a while. I just keep forgetting it. I'm going to blame you for not bringing it back up. We need to, right. need to get your thoughts on that, how that worked. But anyway, we'll try to dive into that on, we'll try to dive into that on Friday. Yeah, thanks for everybody in the uh, in the chat, Ben and Tony and Blake and T. Thanks, guys. Everybody, uh, thanks for being with yeah, us. Yeah, listen on Twitch channel. Listen to ACC Tailgate coming up next on the, the Twitch channel and uh, Chris Landry Football and obviously across all of our networks. Uh, Neil's got great podcasts. If you haven't had a chance to listen to him and everything at his website and certainly LandryFootball.com, check us all out. For Chris, I'm Neil. Until Friday, take care. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.